I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church. I welcome you to episode four in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. In episode four, I continue discussion of the life of Jesus Christ as fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, beginning with the discussion of events which happened after the start of Jesus' ministry as an adult in Galilee, and move on to discussion of events in his final week in Jerusalem. At the end of this episode, I will point out where material presented in episode 4 is discussed in the new AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of Matthew, Annotated and Illustrated. St. Matthew begins chapter 3 with his introduction of John the Baptist as the forerunner who prepares the way. The prophetic reference is a quotation from Isaiah 40, verse 3, using the Septuagint text. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist, although introduced in the New Testament, is also known in the church as the last prophet of the Old Testament. His words in this pericope are widely used in Anglican worship, especially in Advent season, when penitence is an important theme. St. Matthew offers no explanation, such as that found in the Gospel of St. Luke, of the family relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist. The verses also touch upon another theme of St. Matthew's Gospel, kingship. Here, kingdom of heaven in verse 2. The illustration is a detail from an 18th century Russian Orthodox icon of the resurrection in which John the Baptist stands at Jesus' right hand as witness to the raising of the righteous dead. Later, in Matthew 11:10 to 15, St. Matthew returns to the same themes, John as forerunner, the life of Jesus as fulfillment of prophecy and references to the kingdom of heaven. In these verses, presented out of chronological order, it is Jesus himself who makes the connection between John the Baptist of the New Testament and Elijah, citing the prophecy of Malachi 3.1, and who refers to the kingdom of heaven. The illustration is a circa 1310 A.D., portrait of Malachi in oil on panel by Duzio di Boninsena in Siena, Italy. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah, who is to come. He who has ears to hear, 
let him hear. In these verses, Jesus has affirmed that the era of the old covenant between the father and the descendants of Abraham is over and that a new covenant has begun. Further, that under the new covenant, believers in Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven will be greater even than the righteous John the Baptist. St. John wrote in Revelation 2 and 3 of Jesus' use of the same phrase in his instructions to John concerning the letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. In chapter 4, verses 14 to 15, St. Matthew returns again to the fulfillment of prophecy theme, along with another reference to the coming of the kingdom of heaven, and reports Jesus' reference to a new theme which would be developed in more detail in the Gospel of St. John, Jesus as the light in the world's darkness. The context is Jesus' visit to Capernaum after the imprisonment of John the Baptist at the beginning of his Jesus' own preaching of the need for repentance. Jesus again quotes twice from the prophet Isaiah that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. The quotations are from Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2, and Isaiah 42, 7, again using the Septuagint Old Testament translation. The illustration is a second quarter 12th century illumination of Isaiah in colored inks and gold on parchment from the Siegberg lectionary made at the Benedictine Abbey of St. Michael, Siegberg, Germany, from manuscript Harley 2889, Folio 3V in the British Library, London, England. In Matthew 5, verses 17 to 18, St. Matthew quotes Jesus following the main body of the Sermon on the Mount or Beatitudes, forthrightly explaining the purpose of his incarnation as being the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, here again in the context of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' words are an indictment of the self-righteousness of the Pharisees, which, I, as I pointed out in episode 2, is another theme of the Gospel of St. Matthew. In this quotation, the phrase jot and tittle refers to the Pharisees' excessive attention to the smallest details of the Mosaic Law. Do not think that I came to destroy the Law or the Prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth shall pass away, one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven.
The illustration is the Sermon of the Beatitudes, an opaque watercolor over graphite on gray wove paper, painted by James Tissot between 1886 and 1894, part of his Life of Christ series from the collection of the Brooklyn Museum. The first hint of a new commandment stated positively is found in Matthew 7, verse 12. The remark follows logically from the previous reading from chapter 5. In this context, Jesus is speaking in the manner of a Hebrew rabbi or teacher when he explains the true meaning of the golden rule. In the Hebrew experience, rabbinical rules described what must not be done. But here Jesus restates the negative into a simple positive instruction on one of the most important principles of both Judaism and Christianity. Whatever you wish that men would do to you, do so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The illustration is Christ Pantocrator, a 6th century Byzantine temper and guilt on panel icon at the Monastery of St. Catherine, Sinai, Egypt, said to have been commissioned by the Emperor Justinian. It is the oldest known icon of Jesus Christ. Pantocrator is a Greek title which means roughly translated ruler of the universe. In Revelation, Pantocrator is also rendered as Lord God Almighty. St. Matthew records Jesus' healing of St. Peter's mother-in-law in Matthew 8 verses 14 to 17 an account which also includes the healing of many who were demon-possessed in the context of prophecy. St. Mark reports on the same incident as an example of divine power over sickness in Mark 1, verses 29-34. The citation of prophecy refers in part to the suffering servant prophecy of Isaiah 52 and 53, in this case, Isaiah 53, 4. When the evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The illustration is the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, an illumination on parchment from the Codex Egberti, a gospel book made at the monastery on Reichenau Island, Germany, for Egbert, Bishop of Trier, painted between 980 and 993 AD from the collection of the Trier City Library, Trier, Germany. In Matthew 12, verses 15 to 21, St. Matthew deals with Jesus' refusal to discuss his identity and once again connects it to the suffering servant prophecy of Isaiah 42, 1-4, quoted from the Septuagint text. The context is commentary on Jesus' healing of, quote, multitudes of the sick. The quotation mark makes it clear that his mission of salvation includes not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. 
I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he shall not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name Gentiles will trust. The illustration is an illumination in colored inks on parchment from a circa 1340 A.D. gospel book made at Klosterneuburg, Austria, from the digital collection of Schaffhausen City Library, Schaffhausen, Switzerland. After Jesus had spoken the parable of the sower, and the, quote, great multitudes had gone away, his disciples came to him with a question. Why do you speak in parables, they ask in verse 10. In the explanation reported in Matthew 13, verses 10 to 17, Jesus said that they had been given the gift of understanding by the, quote, mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, unquote, but that the masses had not. He also warned them that those who had been given such gifts should use them, indeed would be given more, and that those who failed to use them would have them taken away. He then explained his statement using the Septuagint text of Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, part of Isaiah's vision of the throne of God in the year that King Uzziah died. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. The first illustration was a Byzantine-style illumination in colored inks and gilt on parchment from the Ecternach Gospels, the, also known as the Codex Arius of Ecternach, credited to the scribe Theodorikus, painted at the Monastery of St. Willebrod, Echternach, then in Germany, now in Luxembourg, in the second quarter of the 11th century from the British Library, London, England. The second is a larger-than-life mid-19th century mosaic of the prophet Isaiah on the exterior of the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls, Rome, Italy. Later in chapter 13, after his account of Jesus' explanation of the parable of the sower and his delivery of the parable of the wheat and the tares, St. Matthew offers in verse 34 and 35, as another of Jesus' comments on parables, this time in the context of the fulfillment of prophecy and the fulfillment of a divine plan for mankind hidden since creation. The scripture quotation is from the Septuagint text of Psalm 78, verse 2. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret since the foundation of the world. Psalm 78 is a psalm of one of the sons of Asaph and is a history of the Jewish people from exile to the reign of David, Jesus' ancestor in the genealogy in Matthew 11, 1-17. The book of Psalms has often been called Jesus' prayer book. The illustration is the central detail from an 11th century mosaic of Christ's blessing Emperor Constantine IX Monomachus at the Hagia Sophia Constantinople, now Istanbul, Turkey, added to the 6th century cathedral at the start of the reign of the emperor. The crude gray paint at the bottom marks the highest point of the defacing of the basilica after the fall of Constantinople. Of the apostles, it was only St. Paul who also wrote of things, quote, kept secret from the foundation of the world or the mysteries previously unexplained but revealed in Christ, which St. Paul referred to in Romans 16, verse 25 and 26, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, Ephesians 3, 9, and Colossians 1, 26. Jesus used the same phrase again in the last week of his earthly life in his prayer for all, which is reported in John 17, verse 24. The illustration is a larger-than-life statue of St. Paul outside St. Paul's Church, London, on the site where William Tyndale delivered his first sermons. We shift now from Jesus' ministry in Galilee and elsewhere to St. Matthew's account of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday in Matthew 21, 1-5. St. Matthew connects for the first time the details of the entry into the city with the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 and another prophetic suggestion of the coming of salvation from Isaiah 62.11. The first illustration is the central detail in the 12th century mosaic of the entry into Jerusalem at the Palatine Chapel, the Palace of the Normans, Palermo, Sicily. And the second is a second-quarter 20th-century stained-glass window of Zechariah at St. Vitus Cathedral, Prague, Czech Republic. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. The next six verses in Matthew 21 deal with the people's joyful response to Jesus, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna is a Hebrew word which means save or save now. When the people saw Jesus riding on the colt of the donkey, they made their own connection with the ancient prophecy of the Old Testament calling Jesus a son of David, acknowledging the royal line. 
the saying called out by the multitudes, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is from Psalm 118, verse 26. It was used exactly in the same form in the first Holy Eucharist liturgy of the Church of England in 1549 A.D., but was left out of the 1928 Book of Common Prayer liturgy. Many parishes still speak these same words even if the text is not in the Book of Common Prayer. And here is the account. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. The people of Jerusalem, if not the leadership of the Jews, have acknowledged Jesus as the one who would come in the line of David. If anything, this fervent adoration of Jesus only inflamed the scribes and Pharisees and increased their determination to solve their, quote, Jesus problem, unquote. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode include from Advent, a season of penitence and preparation, an AIC seasonal video series presented in two episodes, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem based upon Matthew 21, 1-13, which is the gospel reading for First Sunday in Advent, is discussed in episode 1. Malachi's prophecy based upon Matthew 11, 2-10, the Gospel reading for Third Sunday in Advent is discussed in Episode 2. From the Lives of the Saints, from the first series, St. John is the focus of Episode 4, Paul of Episode 5, Mark of Episode 7, John the Baptist of Episode 10, Peter of Episode 11, Matthew of Episode 14, and Luke of episode 15. Other episodes in the New Testament Gospel series include, from the Gospel of St. Mark, discussion of Mark's theme of Jesus' power over sickness demonstrated in the healing of Peter's mother-in-law in in episode 8. From the Gospel of St. Luke, Luke's theme of light versus darkness is presented in episode 22. And from the Gospel of St. John, John's unique discussion of Jesus' declaration, I am the light of the world, is found in episode 31 and episode 32. And finally, examples of John's theme of light versus darkness are found in episode 39 and episode 40. From the previously mentioned new book, Gospel of Matthew Annotated and Illustrated. Topics discussed in this episode are found in the discussion of John the Baptist preparing the way in chapter 3 
and his return in chapter 11, prophecy fulfilled in the life of Christ in chapter 4, discussion of the law and the prophets in chapter 5, discussion of the new commandment in chapter 7, healing Peter's mother-in-law in chapter 8, more Isaiah prophecy fulfilled in chapter 12, the explanation of the parable of the sower, and Jesus' reference to the revelation of things hidden since the foundation of the world in chapter 13, and finally the triumphal entry into Jerusalem in chapter 21. From Layman's Lexicon, words and phrases of interest are commandments, covenant, gentile, heaven, kingdom, mystery, pantocrator, parable, prophet slash prophecy, repentance, righteous slash righteousness, and Septuagint. From the prayer book Psalter, History, Text, and Commentary, Asaph and his sons in the introduction are found in page 8. Psalm 78 is found on pages 180 to 183. And Psalm 118 is discussed in pages 272 to 274. From the writing prophets of the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah is discussed in Part 2, Chapter 1, on pages 13 to 21, with the text box Isaiah and Christian Liturgy on page 16. The prophet Zechariah is discussed in Part 3, Chapter 11, pages 105 to 110, with the text box Zechariah in Scripture and Christian Liturgy on page 106, and the prophet Malachi in part 3, chapter 12, pages 111 to 116, with a text box Malachi in Christian liturgy on page 115, and Old Testament-New Testament parallels on page 116. From Revelation, an idealist interpretation, the concept of ears to hear is discussed in chapter 2 and chapter 3. A text box, Lord God Almighty in Revelation, is found on page 97 and offers examples of St. John's unique use of the, of the title from the Greek Pantocrator. Finally, there's Father Ron's blog, a page on our website featuring information on the latest projects, videos, and publications. The entries usually include an illustration from the featured series. You can reach the blog page through the links at the top and the bottom of each page or by using the direct URL address on the screen. By clicking on the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can receive notice of each new posting from our site host, wordpress.com. Please be assured that we do not share email addresses with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for Episode 4 of New Testament Gospels.
Next time in episode 5, I will complete the discussion of the fulfillment of prophecy in the life of Christ in the Gospel of St. Matthew with examples connected to his betrayal, trial, death, and resurrection. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.